0: Another day another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. But you can't scream Hi folks, this is Jack Spirito with another edition of the Survival Podcast. And it's always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it, it is almost always the case during my 50 mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas, from my personal mobile studio, my 2006.5 Jetta Diesel TDI. And if it sounds like I'm in a good mood today, folks, I am, because last night I interviewed. Uh, one of our listeners and not somebody with a book or a blog or anything like that just a regular person like you that's been living survivalist and preparedness philosophy and self-sufficient philosophy with her husband for over 20 years her name's Barb Harrington and uh, having that conversation totally jacked me up uh, in addition to that Saturday night we're we're going to be up in uh, New York City and Monday I'm going to be talking to Judge Napolitano because of you so that's got me stoked so that's why I interviewed Barb and Even though it's an amazing interview. And folks, I wanted to publish it today. That's how good it was. But it's going to be published Monday of next week. And you'll be able to listen to it then. And it's it's an amazing life story of two people that just decided they were going to live differently. And uh, we'll play that show for you on Monday. That's part of why I'm jacked up. The other part of why I'm jacked up is just things are just really going good. I've got a great show topic today for you. I'm going to talk about preparedness as a retirement plan. Not preparing for retirement but using preparedness to retire i'm going to talk about retirement in some ways you probably never heard before today so that's going to be cool for that though let's knock out some housekeeping number one advertisers of the day are one tea party silver uh folks they just released another coin and it's an eagle holding the declaration of independence in his beak uh Awesome. I don't even think you can order them yet. I'm going to order some this week. I think I have to pre-order them right now. They have the Tea Party silver coins. Those are beautiful. And these other new silver commemoratives are coming out. And to me, the pricing is really, really good. It's not much more than a Silver Eagle, but you have these different coins with these uh, different symbology on them. And uh, they just seem like something that's going to be really, really awesome to leave behind in my heirs if I don't ever have to, uh, to cash the silver in. And, of course, I can do that if I ever have to. Uh, without some huge crazy numismatic you know, price for an MS-70, whatever. Uh, so I own these coins and suggest you look at owning them yourself. The other sponsor of the today is SOE Tactical Gear, John Willis' organization. Uh, they've been good to us from day one, folks. John was sending me stuff to give out to the audience when there was like a hundred of y'all in the entire audience. Uh, he's believed in us since then. He was one of our first listeners. He still listens every day. They play the show and uh, I've got a copy running radar traps here, but they play the show in their manufacturing facility on a daily basis, and they listen to us all the time. Um, Please support them, and on top of how much support they've given us, they just frankly... are builders of some of the best and most reliable tactical gear in the world, stuff you could leave behind to your kids. That's how reliable it is. Uh, Next, consider joining our forum. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that at length when I explain today's topic and how it actually came from the forum. So I won't belabor it today other than just say, you know, get involved with our forum if you haven't. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. There's no cost, and you'll make some really good friends. Um, Last but not least, if you think this show is worth more than 20 cents an episode, if at the end of each episode you're like, that was worth two dimes, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. Your contribution of $5 a month or $50 a year will help make this show even better than it is today. Keep me on the air and make this what I do for you every day instead of what I do for an hour every day on the way to work. All right. Um, last but not least, i got one little piece of housekeeping to add in today, and that is I want to remind you of Region 6's get-together. And Really what I want to do is throw a shout-out to... To three companies that have stepped up and donated a whole lot of stuff for this, uh, this get-together. And, I mean, there's so much stuff donated, everybody's going to leave with something. I guarantee you that, if not two-somethings. And uh, the companies that have stepped up, there's some pretty big names here, and, and a small company that's that stepped up, too, and that's really cool. Uh, one is Brunel's. Brunel's has been around forever. They're probably the biggest dealer of firearms parts in the world, as far as I know. Uh, they've sent a whole bunch of swag. Uh, and I think one of their people's actually showing up at the event uh, Springfield Armory has stepped up with a huge box of stuff uh, that their marketing director sent to Shannon and CC Military Surplus. I'll put links to all three of them in today's show notes. Today's show notes may be backfilled a little bit. I'm going to be busy when I hit the office so it may be a short show note that I you know amend later but eventually I'll get links to all of those guys in the show notes and uh, it's going to be a great get together and if you can't get there, I, I would still ask that you know you start looking at putting your own regional events together. I'll try to get to the ones that I can get to. And on top of that, remember these companies that have stepped up and sponsored the events the next time you're in need of something. Consider doing business with them first. All right, so now let's get into the, uh, the main topic of today's show, which, again, is preparedness as a retirement plan. Now, I said I was going to talk a little bit more about the forum, and it's really just telling you how this topic came up. There's a guy named uh, Guy McDowell. He wrote that awesome article I talked about yesterday that ended up on Makeuseof.com in front of 90,000 subscribers this morning. And um, he goes by Canadian Guy on the forum, CDN Guy, Canadian Guy is his forum handle. And we had a post by one of our moderators and, and, and oldest listeners, honestly, and huge supporters, Coldhaven. And it was just on Modern Survival Focus and what we're really all about and what the show's really all about. And it was designed to, to quell some bickering that was going on. It did a great job of that. It turned into a great throw. Well, toward the bottom of that thread, Guy came in and posted, you know, kind of adding on to it what his focus was that he was actually using preparation and prepping and self sufficiency to guide himself into an early retirement at, you know, maybe around the age of 50 versus 65, 70 when most people do. Well, I thought that topic was so outstanding, I actually split it today to make it its own standalone thread because it bears discussion. And it fed off and turned into this, you know, topic. So, so that's why I'm suggesting you get involved with the forum, because it is this type of very in-depth knowledge sharing that goes on and people's thoughts and processes and how they're actually doing things that are there. And that's so much more powerful than me just lecturing to you for 30 to 40 minutes every day. So please get involved and be a participant there. But as I looked at his post, and you can read it, I'll link to it today as well, I started to think, how can I systematize this so that anybody can take it, pick the system apart, backfill it, and use it for themselves? And I came up with today's show outline, and and that's what we're going to talk about. And I think if you ever actually want to retire, I don't care if it's the golden age of 65 or what's becoming the new retirement age of 70-freaking-2, when most people are dead, by the way. It's the average age of death for American males of 72. But we're pushing retirement to that death age, uh, or 50, or 40, or 45, or 35, or 29 for that matter. If you're ever going to retire, the first thing that you have to do is you have to sit down honestly with yourself and do a needs and wants assessment. The needs assessment is relatively easy because it's a baseline of financial need. Um, If I'm going to live, how much money do I need to survive based on my lifestyle? And do I pull the lifestyle back or do I push the number up? And then on top of that, there's simple things like how much food do you need, right? Whether it's money related to providing it or not, doesn't matter. Some of your food may come from a garden, but you have to know how much food you actually need. Um, how, how you're going to provide for your shelter, even if your house is paid for. There's expenses that go with running a house, right? You have to worry about repairs and maintenance and upkeep. So there's, there's costs, even if your cars are paid for, you've got maintenance and upkeep on your car. Sooner or later, a car will wear out. It has to be replaced. You might drive it for 15 years instead of three, but you still have expenses that go on. So you have to go into first, I have to have transportation, I have to have shelter, I have to have food, I have to keep the lights on. You know, how am I going to keep the lights on? Am I going to do it by making sure I have enough money to do it, or am I going to take my house 50% to solar and wind so that I'm only paying half? How long will the solar system last? What's the upkeep? So you have to honestly ask yourself, how much is really necessary to provide what I need? And, again, that's really pretty easy to do. Now, it may require you sitting down, and this is the important part. You need to separate your wants and your needs before you go forward because the need has to go in a column of absolute. I must provide for this. The wants go in another column. They're not really less important. They're just handled a different way. Because the next part of your assessment is your wants assessment. Folks, there's no point in retiring at 38 and not having the things that you want to coincide with the things that you need. But there's, as we get into this a little deeper, you'll understand, though, that a lot of times the things you want really aren't very expensive, especially if you have the things that you need. And you're not required to trade your time and resources for the need anymore. The want becomes much more attainable. But it's important to know your wants. And not just like, you know, kind of your nice your nicey nice wants. Your, I want to take a walk every day. And that's a legitimate want. It goes in the column. But there's no cost. Associated with taking a walk. There's no expense other than you must have freedom in order to do it. I'd love to get up every morning and take a walk for about, oh, I don't know, a good hour. Good hour long walk. Well, that's an hour out of an extremely busy day right now. So I need to create more time freedom to get that one. It's not an expense. But I have to with you know, get rid of the other expenses to allow the freedom for that. There's also things like I want to travel. With this show, I want to do about six regional events a year, at least. And that's going to require me to travel from places to Washington, to California, to Maine, to Florida. So I have to have a certain amount of expense associated with that. Hopefully the show will provide it. I think it will. But that's just me. What do you want? How much travel do you want? You probably don't want to travel that much. I want to do it because I have this audience that's great that I want to get out and see and meet and press palms with. I want to be close to you guys. I don't want I don't ever want this show to be something where I'm standing on a stage and there's five thousand people that came to see me. I, I really don't. I want to do small regional get-togethers with one to two hundred people where every single person that showed up can get some time to actually talk to me one-on-one face to face. That's what I want this to be. So that's what I want. I'm asking you what do you want? Do you want to fish? Do you want to hunt? Do you want to volunteer? It doesn't matter what it is, but you have to have your wants, and not just your wants that are like volunteerism and giving back. That might be a huge want for you. But do you want to go to Africa or Australia or travel the world or go stay in a hotel for two weeks a year just because, even if it's not that far away? Do you want money to blow on your grandkids or your children? What do you want? All of it has to go there. Now, Honestly, at some point you're going to go in and you might say, these are all my wants, and some of them I'm not willing to sacrifice enough for this want. I might want a solid gold Cadillac. I don't, right? They're just being ridiculous here. But if I did want a solid gold Cadillac, if I actually wanted that, I would probably eventually look at that want list and go, the cost is too high comparative to the want. So that's step one, a needs and wants analysis. The next thing you really need to do is you need to understand systemic consumption. How much of what you do is being consumed by the system? And that's what Guy really brought out in his post. I really love the way, one little paragraph he brought out how a family with an income of 100000 in Canadian dollars, so I guess that's about 80000 U.S., with just a basic budget, has well over half of its money gone before it even starts if it lives a typical lifestyle that we're told we're supposed to live. From taxes to insurance to your house payment to a car payment and just you just watch the money evaporate you have a much smaller pile left and then by the time you do things like pay for groceries and and come on kind of fill out the rest of the needs now you're down to this little piece and you only have so much for your wants and if you overspend in the want column you're not even saving and you're done and you're on the gerbil wheel for the rest of your life and you don't get to retire until you're an old man and can't enjoy it. That is systemic consumption. You have to understand it to the point where you get angry at it or nothing's going to change. The problem is we've been lulled into a sense of, of, of stupor, of sleep, where we think that what we're doing is enjoyable. We've been convinced that we like our jobs, really. It's not bad, you know. I like the people. It pays really good. And, you know, I have this nice house, and my kids are growing up, and they're getting to do the things I didn't get to do. And this is all pretty cool in reality. I'm going to tell you folks, those of you who are early into that journey, 20 years into it, you ain't going to feel that way about it anymore. And 20 years into it, in today's day and age, you're not even halfway to your retirement. Because you're like 40, 42, 45, somewhere between 40 and 45. So you're looking at 65 as a baseline for retirement anymore. It's an absolute baseline, 65. 65. Yeah, you're 50% there and you're, you're tired of it. And you've realized the trap. I'm telling you to figure it out now. I figured it out at 20. That's why I'm where I am at 37. Because I didn't want to stay in it. I wanted to use it. So while you're in the system fully, you need to be using it. You need to be using it like a user, like a parasite almost. You need to be working your ass off. You need to do that needs-wants assessment in your life right now, even if you're not going to retire for 10 more years or 20 more years. I don't care. I'll give you 20. You do it now. And you're ruthless on the want side. That doesn't mean you don't enjoy yourself, you don't have some of the things you want, but you're ruthless. Do I really want this? Do I want this enough to trade what I have to trade for it? You should look at every time a dollar goes out of your pocket, like trading. Like the old trading days when we didn't have money. And a guy wanted a sack of meat, and you had a sack of meat. And he had some dried corn. And you're thinking, you better give me a lot of corn for some meat. Okay? Because the meat is is a hell of a lot more valuable than the corn. And we thought that way. Now it's just dollars. It's like casino spending. We don't think anymore. You've got to understand that systemic consumption. You've got to understand how much of everything you work for is disappearing into an abyss of nothingness. You have to understand, if you just bought a house with a 30-year mortgage, in your first year, more than 90% of your money will go to taxes and interest. 90%. 90% 90% of the money you spent living in your house is gone like a fart in the wind, and it's never coming back. You'll never see it again. You'll never use it again. It's gone. It did not go to equity in your home. And you don't even really start to build equity heavily until at least 10 years into a 30-year mortgage. Sometimes you don't really build equity heavy until about your 15th year, depending on how expensive the house is and how much appreciation is going on and other voodoo economics in the backside. But for your first five years, it's a joke. Unless the property value increases in your house, you've saved almost nothing other than some tax deductions you've created for yourself and having a house. The money's gone. You have to get serious about killing the mortgage. Mortgage means death grip, by the way. Mort, mortality, gauge, grip. Grip of death. That's what mortgage means. Couldn't make it up if I wanted to, folks. So you've got to understand that systemic consumption. You've got to, got to want to get away from it. The next thing you need to do is define what is retirement for you. Stop watching TV commercials with two old people that they try to make look like they're a lot healthier than they are. You know, you look for an old man with some muscle tone, and they put a nice little spray tan on him. Walking on a beach together barefoot in some tropical paradise to advertise a mutual fund. Stop looking at that crap and going, yeah, that's what retirement is, unless that really is retirement for you. Odds are that's not where you would be. No, If I gave you $10 million right now, you wouldn't be that couple. Stop letting Hollywood and Madison Avenue put that picture in your head. your own version of retirement. I have a good friend. At 32, he started making enough business, enough money with his own business to quit his job. He works about 25 hours a week right now with his business. He makes enough money to pay all his bills and save some money every month. He has a nice little house. It's paid for. He lives out in the sticks because that's where he likes it. He's not married. He thinks he's retired. Now, he works 20, 25 hours a week. He's in his 30s. Still in his 30s. He's like 39 now. I think he would like to meet the right girl, but he's looking for a girl that shares his you know, philosophy and all. I think he's dating someone now. But, you know, this guy's still dating. He's retired. Now, he's retired in his mind. Now, does the U.S. Census Bureau look at this man and call him retired, either by age or action? No. They consider him a part-time person. By the way, they consider him to be somebody living below the poverty limit. He's our poor, our tired, our guy that, you know, can't afford it. Right? But he doesn't need to afford it because he's got everything. It's all paid for. And he's still putting money in the bank every month. He's retired in his mind. Why? Because he likes to fly fish. And he lives I won't tell you exactly where he lives because you get pissed off at me. But he lives in a place where basically he walks out of his house, gets on a bicycle in the summertime, at least when there's no snow around, and rides a bike for about 15 minutes. And he can fly fish all day long. He's retired. He's happy. Is that retirement for you? It maybe isn't. What is your version of retirement? You have to understand that for yourself. To me, if I go out every day and tend a little garden, do some hunting, do some fishing, right? And I'm doing it because I need to. I have to. It's part of providing for myself. Giving myself something to eat. Something to consume. If I'm doing that, I'm retired. I'm talking to you guys for two hours a day, putting another two hours a day in the show prep, and I'm working four hours a day on Survival Podcast and other things that I want to do for you guys with some video and and some other stuff. And if that's what I do every day, most people say he's got a job. He just doesn't work long hours. No, screw that. I'm retired because I don't depend on anybody else's system for support anymore. I control my own destiny. I'll have my five acres. I'll have a, a couple of them under cultivation. You know, hopefully I'll be taking people on some little guided trips around the Washita uh, Mountains. That's retirement for me. All I'm saying is you have to define what it is for you. And this is a really good time. You really need to talk about this with your spouse. You guys need to, if you're in a marriage, marriage is a world of compromises. What retirement is to you with happiness may not be the same for your spouse. You guys need to find the overlaps and to find retirement for yourselves. The other things. this is a huge piece of advice to the newly married couple or soon-to-be married couple. Do the needs-wants analysis before you're even married if you can. Do it now if you're married, but do it before you get married. Set your course from the beginning. You know, every day, ships leave ports in some part of the world and sail 5,000 miles through, you know, straits and, and and narrows and across vast oceans. And they always get where they're going because they set the course from the beginning. If they didn't set the course. Doesn't matter how good the captain is, they'll never get where they're going. Set your course. Set it now. You might just be able to get there a hell of a lot earlier than you think you can. I also want to ask you a question right now to snap you from your doubt, your self-doubt. If you had no credit card payments, no house payments, no car payment, no any payment of any kind, you were completely and totally debt-free, how much would you need? Again, not how much would you want, how much would you need? If I just came to your house right now, took your mortgage paper, tore it up, and said, okay, you pay $2,000 a year in property taxes. Don't know if you were even aware of that other than tax day, but that's how much of your payment. So you owe $2,000 a year, but no more house payment otherwise. Let me see your credit card bill. So you owe $18,000. Wave of a magic wand like a genie. Credit card payments are gone. Car payment, poof, gone. And any other bill that you have... That's beyond a need. You know, it's not a debt. Even if you bought something you didn't need, now it's a need because somebody says you owed them. You took away all your debt. The only thing you paid would be the electric bill, cable bill, phone bill, and eating. Gas. That was it. How much would you need? Do you know? Do you have any idea? Have you ever sat down and done a budget of just your needs? Of how much would I need if everything else was gone? You have to do that. You have to do that now. If you're 21, do it now. If you're 41, do it now. If you're 71, do it now. Now, 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 now. Alright? I don't know how much more clear I can be. You must do that now. You must know the answer to that question. Or you're never getting out of the freaking wheel. You'll be in the wheel for the rest of your life. You'll be 74, you'll think you're retired, you'll still be in a freaking wheel, because you have no idea how to control things for yourself, because you don't know what you need, so you always live in fear, and you always live in a state of wanting, and therefore you shall always be controlled. I can't be any more honest with you about that. That is the reality. That is the great illusion. That's how people stay there forever. So I want you to right now, at least on paper, eliminate every bill that's not for something that's delivered to you every month. All right. If it's a car payment, I want it out of your life. On paper, in an imaginary world, a house payment, out, gone, done, no more, disappeared often it's gone. And I want you to ask yourself, what do I need? Do a budget. Ask yourself, how hard would I have to work for this budget? Because that was Guy's point. If you could cut your budget in half, then you had a two-person household, each person could go from working 40 hours a week to working 20. Or less. What do you do with the rest? Soul building. That's what you do. I love that word. I'll talk about it more in a minute you got to do that for yourself. you got to know. Don't be afraid to look. It's just paper, folks. Don't be afraid of it. I, there are people that are afraid to know. There are, there are people that are afraid to realize how close freedom really is, how cheap freedom really is. They're afraid if they figure it out, they just might crave it and they might go for it. You know, it sounds crazy. But it's the same thing, you put an animal in a cage long enough, you open the door and leave it wide open, they don't leave the cage. The cage becomes their comfort zone. Get out of your freaking comfort zone, because it's a cage, folks. Retirement... I just said it's for soul building. I can't claim that one. Um, Guy said that in his post. He said, what do you do with the extra time? You do soul building things like tending a garden, taking a walk, spending time with your spouse. I want to talk to you about that for a minute right now. I want to bring you a dose of reality that's going to kind of seem like a downer, but it should be one of the most empowering things that you hear for the next year or longer. I'm going to start with the downside, though. You know, we have these commercials of these older couples, but they look so energetic. They're running down the beach together. They're acting like they did when they were 22. Freaking Madison Avenue fantasy land. You have older people in your family, go look at somebody that's 70. Even if they're healthy, I have a father-in-law, he's in his 80s. He's relatively healthy. But if I want to take a walk up the side of the Watchtower Mountains with him, it's tough for him. Can't really do it anymore. How many of you that were soldiers or high school athletes or college athletes that could really do some amazing things with your body 20 years ago, can't do it anymore? How, about, how many of you young people, you 20-somethings, your arrogance tells you that it won't happen to you? That you won't look like me when you're 38? You're full of crap, young man. You will. You'll slow down, your joints will break down, your body will break down. You'll find some amazing wisdom in your body slowing you down. You will see more, you will learn more, you will be more as you get older. But there is a finite limit to what the human body is capable of as it ages. You aren't going to be young forever how many couples today have an age difference of 10 years or five years you wait till bo- you know both people are at least 65 to retire that means the guy that retires at 65 with the wife that's seven years older she's retiring at 72. I already told you the average person is dead I, I want to tell you some something that's a little bit sad for me to watch. Because I want you to be motivated for it not to be you. My father-in-law in in his 80s, I think he's 82 now. He's a great man. He worked up right up until he was 80 years old. He's only been retired for a couple years. Because he kind of wanted to, because he didn't know what to do with himself. Well, why? Because almost 10 years ago, he lost his wife to liver and pancreatic cancer. My wife lost her mother. She was relatively young. She was in her, I think, 60s or early 70s. Early 70s. Gone. So, their whole life, they had dreamed of traveling together. And they traveled together a lot as they were young and even as they were older. They would just get in the car and go places and do things. He's a traveler. It's what he is. It's what he likes to do. He had to work his whole life for the dream of one day retiring with his wife, getting on cruise ships two or three times a year. And he has some money now, and he's got very low expenses. He lives at, I think his house payment's like 200 bucks. That's including taxes and all. You know, so he's not hurting for money. He even found a girlfriend a few years after his wife was gone. She seemed okay for him at first, but now they're just totally incompatible. He's 80, and he behaves like he's 60. She's 80, and she behaves like she's 95. She's capable, but not willing to travel, to do things. She's worried about everything. Life has taken its toll on her. I don't want you to be either one of those people. He's looking at going on a cruise by himself. Because he loves to cruise, but just doesn't have anybody that he really wants to go with anymore. And we could go with him, but that's not the same. And you know it's not the same, folks. If you wait till you're 70, or God forbid 75 or 80, it might never happen. Whatever it is, it may not be a cruise around the world. It may be a walk down the street. But by waiting for too long, you go from taking a walk with someone you love to taking a walk alone. That doesn't mean life's over. But how many years got traded for work and paying into a system that ain't never given you anything back, that it cost you that time? it's never coming back for him never harsh reality of life it does not have to be you you have the choice it is up to you to determine it now and this is what i mean about living the life you want if times get tough or even if you don't if they don't while you're in your 30s something shit hits the fan you can take care of your family But don't let the shit hit the fan be you getting Alzheimer's at 62. Because that was just your destiny. And if you had just taken off 10 years earlier, you could have had those 10 years. I'm saying take them back. I really mean that. I want you to understand that. Build your soul, but build your soulmate in your retirement years. Even if your retirement years are working part-time from the age of 35 on and giving the middle finger to the system. I really mean that. Understand that right now there's a war against retirement. I want you to realize that. It's important that we understand reality. We've been lulled into this this slumber, this sleep, this fallacy of what things are supposed to be like. And whether intentional or just circumstantial, there's a war on retirement. It starts with health insurance. It starts with health insurance. How many people could actually already be in early retirement if they weren't paying so much for health insurance? Do we need health insurance in its current form? I don't think so. I'm not going to go into what we do about health insurance today. I just want to point it out. is one of the things that keeps us from retirement. You know what else keeps us from retirement? Retirement accounts. You know, here's the reality. Legitimately, you should be able to work about 20 years, saving 10% of your income, and after that, you should be able to pretty much live off of that money for the rest of your life. If there was no inflation, assuming a 5% safe return on your money, 20 years, now if you started working at 20, let's say your first few years your job was crap. 25, you actually started to really contribute. We start our clock of 20 years from there. 45, everybody should be out. Done. Why aren't they? Well, one, because we're told to put our money into a place where we can't get it till we're 60. Some of our money's put into places that we can't get until we're 65. And that's where all that 10% is supposed to go to. Then we don't even save the 10% because we come up with all kinds of reasons that we can't do it. On top of that, we have retirement counselors putting people into these investments that are saying, oh, no, don't pay your house off. Oh, God forbid you should do such a thing. You know, the, 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 the appreciation of the house works at your advantage. Put the money into that retirement account, and you'll never see again. Risk it. Real estate's the safest investment in the world, but don't put your money in your house. Put it in the stock market, in a place you can't get to it for 30 or 40 years. That's much more intelligent, right? That's what keeps going on. That's what keeps happening. It keeps you in the system longer. The longer you stay in the system today as an American, statistically the deeper you go into debt. So when the guy finally is 59.5 and and can access his Roth IRA, number one, it's not big enough because it was never the 10% it was supposed to be in the first place. Number two, the stock market probably just took a crap in the last 10 years because it takes a crap at least a couple years out of every 10 and wiped his balance down to where he's afraid to try to retire now. Number three, he's still deeply in the debt, and he has to keep working to pay the debt machine. And all of a sudden, he's 70. And he's retiring on a little pittance of Social Security. And the market's taking an even bigger crap. He pays off his debt then, at the end. He lives on what's left. And at 72, he gets a heart attack and dies. And we wonder why he got a heart attack at 72. He seems so healthy. Yeah, he was healthy. He was healthy until he put his body through the stress of 50 years of being employed in a job he would have really preferred not to do. 50 years of watching his kids grow and not being enough of a part of it. 50 years of doing what he had to do instead of what he wanted to do. 50 years of that stress. That's what blew the guy's heart up. Or gave him cancer. Yeah, that'll give you cancer. Cancer out there for everybody. Not everybody gets it. What causes it? Stress that reduces our resistance to it. That's what kills people today, folks. So it puts them in the ground too early. That's what makes that old man that seems so healthy turn into a really old man almost overnight. Stress finally catches up with them. And they finally sit down one day and they realize how much they gave away. And then the burden comes and it pushes them down further. Preparedness takes that away. You become prepared enough, it all goes away. And that's what we're really talking about, is your motivation here. What happens is we take the motivation and we put it out to age 70. And it seems so far away. So, Since it's so far away, we have to create a fantasy land. It's like waiting to get out of jail. right? That's what this is like for people. But if your motivation is, you know what, if I start doing this right now, it doesn't matter how old I am, I can have a 10-year plan and I can be out at least out on my terms, and under my control, in 10 years, you'll sacrifice for 10 years. You'll give up that shiny new thing, that piece of consumer-level crap that you don't really need. You'll only need 80 channels instead of 200 channels on your satellite, or whatever it is. You'll give it up for 10 years. You won't give it up for 50. It's too long. The sacrifice is too big. Your soul knows it. It won't let you. That's what happens. That's where people end up going kind of off the deep end with this stuff. And the last thing that I want to talk to you about, so that you can make this happen for yourself, is what is investing. When I say investing to you, what do you think of do you think about buying gold and silver or stocks, or certificates of deposit, bank accounts, CDs, whatever? Do you see a chart in your mind of, you know, up and down, Dow average? Do you see a stockbroker? What do you think of when you think of investing? An IRA statement, 401k statement, what have you, a bond? Those are types of investing, but that's not investing. Investing is putting money or effort into a place so that it will pay you back a return. Your best investment is your house. It's your biggest expense and your biggest consumer right now. Unless it's a house you don't really want. Unless it's a house you plan to sell, put your money in your house. Make your house what you want it to be. That includes your land, too. Build that homestead I've talked about so often and pay it the hell off. Condense it down to a 15-year mortgage. Do whatever you got to do. Get out of having that payment. Your next investment is yourself. What skills can you teach yourself? How can you work twenty hours and make half of your income? That's actually harder than it sounds. In most places today, if you walked into your supervisor and said, Look, you pay me fifty-five thousand or sixty thousand dollars a year to make an even number. Sixty grand, and I work forty hours for that sixty grand. I want to work twenty for thirty. They laugh at you, tell you get the hell out of there, get back to work. They don't want a 20-hour. They want a person there every day that they can put their thumb on and control. Generally speaking, to make the same amount of money working less hours actually requires adding new skill sets, so invest in yourself. Try reducing your income before you actually reduce your income. One of the most important things you can do. You know how many people go into like semi-retirement and have to come back out because they just couldn't make it? It's a huge mistake, and there's no reason for it. Here's what I mean: Let's say you are that guy making sixty, and uh, let's say your wife makes forty. So between the two of you, you have a hundred thousand dollar income before it gets taxed into oblivion. And you decide that you know what—you really could live if your wife made twenty and you made thirty, and you were down to fifty. Okay, great—you have a wonderful opportunity. Make every adjustment you think you're going to need to make and put half of both paychecks into a savings account every month and do that for six months. The worst thing that will happen is you'll figure out, yes, we can, and you'll have a big, giant chunk of cash reserves sitting there to the tune of, what, about fifteen grand after taxes? About $15,000 saved up. You get through that time period, you have $15,000 in cash, and you don't feel like you're hurting or wanting, then turn the the switch. Go ahead, voluntarily reduce your income. Go into that part-time job. Sustain yourself with that individual business, whatever it is. But try it first. Take the cash that's normally supporting you and put it somewhere you can get to it, but don't cut the flow off first. That way, if you get into trouble, you go, okay, now what else do we have to cut? Don't immediately reach for it. Don't go, oh, we were wrong. Just say, okay, wait, we're we're $100 negative this month. We shouldn't be. Where did it go? How do we prevent it? What do we have to give up? Are we comfortable giving this up? Run it like an exercise, like a military drill. Do that. You'll find it. But you'll find it with comfort instead of fear. If you cut the switch off before you try to live that way first, you won't have the the calm, the rationale, the patience to figure it out. You'll do things in fear. And you'll either live a way that you really don't want to live, even if you don't go back to work, or you'll go running back to the tit of American corporatism. Now, for those of you that don't think this can be done, I have a message. People are doing it every day all over the world. One of Canadian guy, or Guy McDowell, however he wants to be referred to today, um, greatest points was retirement as we see it today is a relatively new concept. Not so long ago, nobody retired. You just did less. Everybody lived together in family units. And as mom and dad got older, they took on less physically demanding roles, but everybody lived together in the community. And you had two or three generations living in one house, or maybe two houses, but on the same piece of land. We were largely an agrarian society. Even people that worked at the mill or worked, you know, cutting trees down or whatever it was, in construction, they still kind of lived with the farm as a central family unit. Even as they moved out into the suburbs a little bit, you know, Junior would come by and help Dad with things on the weekend, keep the farm running, keep the small business running, the blacksmith shop, whatever. It didn't matter what it was. The family stayed together, and that sons and daughters would move into mother's and father's roles as they aged, and mothers and fathers didn't go away, they didn't sail off into Antigua, they simply took on maybe the maintenance of equipment, instead of driving it, running it, and being out there in the field. And again, it doesn't have to be farming. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter what the business unit was. But most people in this country, up until the 1950s, you know, in spite of the industrial revolution and auto industries and everything else, most people still had their own business up until 1950. Or, if you worked for somebody, you worked. Worked for the owner. He wasn't in a, in a tower somewhere across the country on Madison Avenue while you were in Salt Lake City, Utah, and you never saw him. You saw him every day. You worked for him. He maybe had five people in his little business. You were one. Even if you were, if you were the lowest person in the command chain, you could walk up and talk to the owner of the company you worked for every day. That's how it was in most places. And we've lost that. And that closeness is where this command chain structure came from. And people assuming each other's roles. And that didn't mean that a son of a farmer had to be a farmer, but a son of a farmer knew how to farm. There's a difference there. It's subtle, but important. And we've lost a lot of that. But you can have it back. And what I'm saying that people do it every day is across the world that haven't gotten all civilized and industrialized yet, families still run their operations this way. There's still plenty of remote places where this is exactly how the family unit works. So the whole point of being a hunter-gatherer was you didn't have to work that much. All you needed to do was hunt and gather enough food on an individual day to provide for that day's need, and you pretty much did whatever the hell you wanted with the rest of it. That's what retirement is for a lot of people. How much do I need to do to get to where I need to be right now? And as long as there's always a little bit of surplus, as long as I'm being an ant every day, if I can be an ant every day, but only work 20 hours a week. I'm retired, baby. That's the way I look at it. So I'm asking you to take a new look at retirement today. I'm asking you to set new goals for yourself today. And don't let my goal be your goal. Maybe your goal is just to get out at 55. Maybe you're 25. So you're younger than me and willing to do it longer than me. Fine. But damn it, do not let the government tell you what that number is. Don't wait until the love of your life can't walk with you down that beach that they keep promising you, and that stupid-ass commercial for a mutual fund that's probably lost billions of dollars in the last two years, if not trillions. Don't let them lie to you, folks. You take control of your life today. You start living the life you want today, right now. You set your course for what it is that you really want. You define... Your lifestyle as you come out of the system the way you want it to be, not the way somebody else tells you you want it to be. Don't listen to your financial advisor when it comes to this stuff. He doesn't have a freaking clue who you really are. He's a relationship salesman. That means he makes you feel good about spending your money with him. That's his job. That's what he's trained to do. He's not trained any further than that, folks. I'm sorry. That's the truth about just about every financial advisor you're going to ever deal with. Plain and simple. Unless you're a multi-millionaire, you're not talking to a financial advisor that actually knows how to invest your money. You're talking to a financial advisor that knows how to earn his commissioner fee. And he's going to paint the picture for you that's been painted for him because he's been told that's what will get your buy-in. Don't do it. Don't sit in your office every day for the next 20 years wishing you could be somewhere else without a plan to get there. Don't think you have to play by the rules. Rules are made to be broken. How many rules are you willing to break? I'm willing to break them all. I'm willing to break... I'm not talking about laws. I'm talking about rules. The rule that says we must work till we're at least 69 and a half before we can enjoy our retirement. Rule. Done. Broken. The rule that says we must work a job 40 hours a week until that point comes. Broken. Done. Not going to do it. The rule that says you can't just quit, I'm going to break that rule too. We'll break them all. I'm not going to do it recklessly or foolishly without a plan on how I'm going to compensate myself on the other side of the equation. The rule that says that we have got to have credit card debt and a car payment for the rest of our lives. The rule, broken. Done rule that said the rule told me smart guy like you great SAT scores good college grades you got to go to college God broke it didn't go not gonna go never gonna go to college period Cause not for me might be for you not put it down I'm just saying you don't live by rules if you want to be happy rules are made To keep you in a machine, in an apparatus that's designed to enslave you. And it is designed to enslave you. Debt is cancer. Debt is slavery. And debt is the biggest piece of this machine. Debt is part of that war on retirement I talked about. And all I'm saying is, how long do you want to fight the war? How long do you want to fight the battle? How long do you want to continue to give of yourself something that's not going to give back to you. How much? How many years of your life are you willing to sacrifice? Can you get out early? I'm telling you, you can. We don't have to work hard to have a garden anymore, folks. The permaculturists have shown us how to do it without even digging anymore. They've shown us how to water without having to carry a hose or a water can. We can have all of the things that we want. We can put things together that will provide some portion of our energy for us without having an ongoing expense without having an ongoing bill if you think about the prepper lifestyle and the life you're preparing to live if everything goes wrong if you can live half of that life and take the other half out of the wonderful systems that are actually out there the things that do make life better the things that do make life beautiful then you can do it with half of your input and that gives it back to you and that gives you freedom and folks that's how you live that better life and on that note, I'm pulling into my parking place. This has been Jack Spearka with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live wonder, a better life if times get tough. You win, or even if they don't. You can scream, and you can holler, it really doesn't matter, cause it all gets spent.